Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for May 14, 2014. And today's topic is gamification, what it is and how it can help your contact center run more smoothly. Now, if you're listening live, I'd like to invite you to be a part of the show and ask questions. It's really easy, and here's how you can do it. By far, the most uh, common way is to do it by email, and you can do that by sending me an email at brian at benchmarkportal.com. That's spelled out, B-R-I-A-N, at benchmarkportal.com. You can also call in if you're on the phone or even close to the phone. Here's the number to call in. It's 347-857-3117. Now make sure to press the number one on your phone to let me know that you have a question, and I'll get you in. Again, real quick, that number is 347-857-3117. That's the number for our show, and we'll get you on live. Now, I do want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at any time that's good for you at BenchmarkPortal.com. So, with that all being said, let's just go ahead and get right into the show. It's my pleasure to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Well, thanks very much, Brian, and welcome to Call Talk, everyone. Uh, we have a great show, and I'm really happy to be joined today by my colleague, Dee Buell, who's the content manager for this episode. How are you doing, Dee? Good, thank you. Okay, good. You ready to play games? Absolutely. Okay, great. Well, we brought in a real expert on the topic for everybody, uh, Mr. Bob Cowan. Uh, hi, Bob. How are you doing? Great. Uh, great, Bruce and Dee. Great to be with you. Okay, good. Well, you know, Bob is actually joining us on Call Talk for the second time uh, within a couple of years, and I guess we didn't beat him up badly enough the first time, so he's back for more. So <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming back for the bludgeoning, Bob. Well, uh, Bruce, I'm uh, grateful to be here. Okay, great, great. Uh, so a bit of background on Bob. Uh, he's been in the contact center industry for more than 30 years, uh, during which he's visited many call centers across the country. And uh, when he started doing that, he was observing agent incentive programs that used contests or games, leaderboards, badges, and various different kinds of rewards. And, uh, you know, creating and managing these kinds of incentive programs, as uh, those people on the phone know, uh, can be very labor-intensive. And in many cases, they only ran periodically for relatively short duration, and, and oftentimes, the managers didn't even measure the ROI of these programs. And then after the conclusion of most of them, the key metrics would revert to their prior state. So it was like, eh, you know, uh, it, it gave a bump, but it didn't have any lasting impact. Then came the key moment for Bob Cowan, uh, the epiphany moment, right, Bob? Uh, exactly. In about 2006, Bob saw an article in the Wall Street Journal uh, describing how a large bank was using an online incentive application that motivated employees to improve attendance, adherence, it reduced attrition, and especially that new hire attrition, which can be so irritating and expensive for call centers. So it also used the brief online games, uh, leaderboards, rewards, and uh, operated full-time. So this wasn't just an occasional thing. So to him, this sounded remarkably like what he had seen in uh, call centers, but it had been automated and offered as a cloud service and could run continuously. So sort of a real leap ahead. And recognizing uh, the huge savings potential, he contacted the company that provided the online application uh, called Snowfly 
uh, for which he now works as an expert advisor. And, and the rest is history. And he's uh, very graciously on today to share some of that history and, and that knowledge with us. So um, for, first question, uh, Bob, you know, for those who are just dipping their feet in for the first time, what is gamification and why is there so much hype about it these days? Well, Bruce, it's, it's certainly a hot word. It's a very, very clever buzzword today, but it uses the game techniques and non-game applications to make activities more engaging and more fun. Usually it involves rewards, leaderboards, badges, those kinds of things. Now, if that sounds identical or very familiar to context under incentives that we've been doing for years, you're right. Uh, however, very recently the definition was updated to include the requirement that it be automated or computerized. Now, if I can make an opinion or a comment here editorially, that's an attempt by the folks in Silicon Valley who created the term gamification about three years ago and claimed it to be the next best thing, uh, an attempt to differentiate it from what's been going on in call centers since the first ones were created in, uh, say, mid-1970s. Well, those people in Silicon Valley, I mean, they've always got something up their sleeve. But uh, it is true, I mean, uh, to their credit, that uh, taking things, automating them, making them easier managerially and more effective uh, in terms of application can sometimes be a, a huge step forward. But, you know, going back to the essence, you're saying it's really not so different from what contact centers have been doing since their inception in the mid-1970s. Well, contact centers really have been ahead of the curve. Um, it has been the, the main thrust that we've seen the last three years is that gamification has been moved into the consumer marketplace. And for that, we really should be very grateful and give them some attaboys. Uh, the gamification today does provide us an opportunity to let the senior management, however, in call centers know just how far ahead of the game we really have been. Many times I see senior management has often viewed incentive programs with somewhat of a degree of disdain. After all, when many of them were moving up the ranks, the philosophy was that if you did a good job, your reward is you get to keep it. However, with today's millennials and Gen Xers and Dwyers, that just doesn't cut it. Senior management's kids today and grandchildren are exposed to gamification numerous times every day. Now, this should make our job easier to justify spending on an incentive program, provided, of course, it can document an acceptable ROI. Okay. So, actually, we're not only learning about uh, management techniques, we may also be picking up some good parenting techniques from this show. Is that right, Bob? It works every time. <laughs> Heck, as the father of a... Uh, a teenage boy, I can tell you, you know, anything we can, any advice I can get is a good, is good advice. Well, let's provide some context. So step back for a second. And uh, what are some of the realities that contact center leaders are faced with that gamification can help with? I mean, they're challenged with retention of new hires, uh, schedule adherence, first call resolution, quality upselling, customer retention, all of these things. So uh, give us some, uh, some thoughts on, on uh, where this all fits in. Well, we, we see these every day, and, and the ones that you picked up, uh, Bruce, are the, probably the majority of them that we see. There are a lot of other small ones, but for today's purposes, let's go ahead and use those as some examples. Okay, so great. So getting more specific, tell me about some of the best practices for addressing attendance and adherence problems. And, uh, heck, while we're at it, show us how simultaneously you can work on quality in the call center. I mean, I don't, I don't want to make your job too easy, Bob. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, first, Bruce, there are really two behavioral principles that will have a significant positive impact on any incentive program. Uh, one is reward the daily homework, I'll explain that in a moment, as well as having fun. That's where the games come in. 
And now these two things behaviorists call continuous positive feedback and random intermittent reinforcement. They're both key and critical to Gen Xers and Gen Yers. The continuous positive feedback teaches new behaviors. The random intermittent reinforcement reinforces and keeps learned activities exciting. Now, in the world of attendance and adherence, I recently spoke Bruce with a large insurance company. They offered a $100 reward for perfect attendance for a year. Less than 5% of the more than 300 agents actually qualified for that. Now, their problem, they were focused on the wrong date. They were focusing on December 31st. And rather than that, they should be fixing tomorrow's attendance by, for example, on the concept of small, small rewards, small rewards for daily attendance and then bonus rewards for, say, five days in a row. Remember, that the philosophy is if there's a mantra to remember it, it's reward the daily homework, and the final grade will take care of itself. Now, the second element is making it fun. Now, one of the best ways to do this is to reward with tokens or tickets. Uh, now, they're then used to play brief games of chance, not skill, but chance. Games like a spin the wheel or pull the ticket from the fishbowl, you know, you know those kind. However, yeah. every, game, every game must come out with something positive. Uh, that, that means there are no empty envelopes or no lottery tickets that come up, oh, gee, didn't get anything. Now, the games generate a random but controlled number of points that are then used immediately or accumulated to, quote, buy, unquote, the awards from your catalog of tangibles or intangibles, uh, money on a debit card, extra break, those kinds of things. Uh, the games are merely a vehicle for delivering random reinforcement, just like Las Vegas uh, with slot machines. However, every game in the context center must generate a positive output. Now, to answer your question about call quality, most clients reward for attendance and adherence provided the quality remains at a certain level. In some cases, okay. they are disqualified or reduced rewards if they fall below a certain threshold. Okay, so that makes sense. In other words, uh, what you have to do is uh, be able to pass uh, a barrier, if you will, or sort of a threshold or a uh, benchmark, there's a good word, of uh, quality metrics on those, uh, the quality things that you're being measured on. And then if you pass that, then uh, in terms of the cost-related metrics, you're able to actually get rewards for. Is that, is that a fair summary? Exactly. Okay. Benchmark is a great yeah. word. Well, okay. you know what, Bruce, what I hear yep. in the um, call center industry is quality is their ticket into the game, and it kind of goes along with gamification. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's, well, that's a good way of putting it, Dee. Yeah. That's the yeah. To the okay. Oh, very good. Well, okay, Bob, uh, how would you apply the two principles to reducing new hire turnover? Because we know that uh, new hire turnover is, is vexing for a lot of people. Uh, we also know that certain uh, centers could do a better job of uh, recruiting and screening, but uh, leaving that part aside, just in terms of uh, how gamification can have an impact on new hire, that vexing to new hire uh, turnover, what have you found uh, through your experience on that topic? Well, you're, you're darn right. New hire turnover is, is significant. Uh, even if your turnover rates are low, it's still easy to, to make them better, to improve them. Uh, successfully onboarding someone is expensive time and money, yet many new hires leave after three to six weeks into the job. Now, we found that the best solution is to reward all stakeholders with a high volume of small rewards along the entire pathway to successfully get in beyond the point in time where new hires tend to leave. At that point, depending upon local market conditions, et cetera, sometimes it's two weeks, sometimes it's two months, sometimes it's six months. But it's always easy to spot that point and then encourage people to stay past that 
The best way to imagine this, and I, I guess, I'm sorry this is radio if it were visual, but imagine a large matrix, Bruce. Uh, now, mm-hmm. going down the left-hand side are all the small steps of recruiting a new agent through their, through their onboarding process for, say, six months, as an example. And across the top are listed those who are involved with their success. Stakeholders, uh, for example, the agent, a referring employee if you have a referral program, a trainer, a mentor, etc. Now, at each point of intersection, small rewards are given along the way. A qualified name is submitted, for example, and a referring employee receives a token or a ticket. A candidate comes in for an interview and is qualified for the job. A referring employee receives two tickets, two tokens. Uh, say a job offer is extended and a new hire is told to schedule a drug test and emailed a virtual token, along with an explanation that it's part of the company's incentive program that will be explained the first day of class. And after successfully yeah. completing the drug test, the candidate and referring employees are given two tokens. Now, on, on the first day of class, for example, uh, after the new hires return from lunch, each new hire is now given three tokens, and they're told you have a total of six, and then the program is explained, games are played as part of the training process. Now, this process also involves small rewards for the training staff, the mentors, people on the floor with whom they work, do the side-by-sides, etc., and thus keeps everybody engaged in the retention of the new hired agent. Um, now, in these rewards, there are two things that have to be kept in mind that really contribute to the success of this. There are two patterns in distributing rewards. The first is increasing value. The first time I get a couple of tokens, then more, and then more, and then more. But second of all is decreasing frequency. Well, gee, I've come on board now for a day, now a week, then two weeks, so that it then blends into the regular 10-year program, such as a six-month or a 12-month period. Wow. Well, okay, that's uh, some great insights there. Uh, Dee, I think you had some questions as well. Yes, I did. And, Bob, based on what you were just sharing about the new hires, you know, one of the things that I see in call centers right now is certifying their trainees to be job ready. Would you see that as another way of giving certification just or I wouldn't say certification, but gamification, just by certifying them. There may not be points to it, but it gives them the the recognition that, yes, I am now ready. Or does it always need to have some sort of prize to the end of it that is tangible? Well, the random intermittent reinforcement uh, is, is something there, but also the certification are badges. And badges are important as well. Badges, however, don't really mean much at the grocery store checkout, if that's what you're, what you're looking for in terms of monetary value. So I always want to have something positive that, that they desire, be it tangible or be it intangible, such as an extra break, uh, or, the, or the boss washes your car, you name it. It can be any of those things. Yeah. Okay, great. Are there any tips on helping us to improve sales? Because, you know, the call center now, people are doing their very best to try and show their value, and they're adding sales contests. Um, it's kind of difficult, really, for outbound calls and customer service agents to really find opportunities, but they're really looking more at sales now. So any words of advice there? Well, it really does. Uh, it, it is a challenge because outbound calls are becoming fewer and fewer in nature. So every opportunity to touch base with a customer gives you an opportunity to sell something, be it a hard sell or a very soft sell. Uh, many companies will have uh, sales contests that run three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, as an example. And many times they'll often limit the number of winners, the first five people who do this or the top ten people do that, all of which can be discouraging to, uh, to the new hires, to the middle-tier and lower-tier people. 
Now, with any incentive system, your top performers are still going to be your top earners, but you want to be sure that the other folks have an opportunity to, to taste success early and taste success often. And the best way to do that is not to have long-duration contests. Daily contests, weekly contests are a great solution to that because the clock starts every time. If you've ever watched a horse race, for example, where you have three winners and halfway around the track there are some of the, leg, some of the folks who just will never make it, Think of your call center folks as those horses who say, well, I'm not going to make it on this four-week contest, so I'm just going to kind of give up, if you will. And that can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you have daily sales contests or perhaps a small reward for the first sale of the day over X dollars, now that will get people into work first time in the morning on time. Or, for example, the last sale of the day over Y dollars. And, again, that makes people, well, gee, I'm going to stick around. I'm not going to leave early because I could just get that lucky call come in and might find someone who does want to buy the widget or update or something like that, and lo and behold, I could be a winner, even though the fact that I'm not one of the senior people, I'm just one of the newer folks. And, and golly gee, uh, that overcomes what's called the superstar syndrome. If you see winners always being the same people day in, day out, month in, day out, month out, you're suffering from what's called the superstar syndrome. And the answer yeah. to that is to prevent that from, from reoccurring, conduct small, brief, frequent contests. Bob, that's great information, and, and that's, um, I've seen that happen so many times with the superstar syndrome, and, and like you said, it kind of makes some of the folks not try as hard because they think they already know who's going to win the contest. But, you know, a lot of the information you're sharing is very helpful, and, you know, one of the things that I see as an opportunity here is a lot of companies don't have very much of a budget. So is there kind of a Goldilocks amount that you think, people should be planning in their budget to uh, fund a gamification-type model in their call center? We have observed that's a, that's a very good question, and it's often a question that uh, people have in the back of their minds. What is this going to cost me? And after all, what is the ROI? First of all, let me say that if you're not measuring your ROI, you must. We found that about a third of people around the world do not actually measure the return on investment, which is a real indictment of what they're doing. Now, the amount that we find is really, really good and seems to get the job done. We found most customers can move the needles at least 20% on the metrics that they want that are important to them if they spend one5 to 2% of payroll per month on incentives. An easier way to compute that is to take two hours worth of payroll per employee per month. That's for a 40-hour employee. And by that, I mean, say you're spending uh, $13 per hour. You should be spending, in that case, about 25 to to $26 per employee per month. Now, doing that, if you can get a 20% improvement of KPIs in doing that, that would make even the most tight-fisted CFO uh, jump up with, with joy and give you a pat on the back and probably a raise. Now, we found that paying more than two hours or more than 2% really doesn't generate extra effort, uh, so it's not worth spending more. But the other side of that same coin, D, is if you pay a lot less than that, it's money down the drain because you don't get enough people's attention to do anything. So you want to make sure you're in that sweet spot of roughly two hours. Now, this works regardless of whether you have part-timers or full-timers or whether you're onshore or offshore based upon local currencies. Other thing we say is that you recommend not trying to measure too many metrics. Keep it simple. Work on the high-level ones, maybe two to four at the most per individual, but, of course, they may be quite different based upon the particular job task you're working on. Okay. 
Well, do you have any recommendations or experience about what types of rewards are the most effective? I mean, even intangible words. Uh, good question. We have, uh, we every now and then, actually every couple of years, will go through our database, and it's a huge repository of a lot of information. We have no necessarily uh, di- uh, dictatorial powers over what our clients want to offer their employees as rewards. But there are some patterns that emerge from this once you look at the aggregate. And literally we're talking about millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of transactions over a 12-month period. And it appears from what we can see to be clearly evident that the employees prefer to put money or funds, if you will, onto what we call a spend-anywhere type of gift card. Examples might be a reloadable card or a fixed-value card of a, a debit card from Visa or MasterCard, American Express cards, PayPal points, Amazon gift codes, those kinds of things. Uh, that empowers the employee to buy what they want from whom they want and when they want. Uh, the store-specific cards are somewhat out of favor, the Targets, the Walmarts, the Home Depot kind of things, except with the exception of some local restaurants or local stores that might be right down the street where they're getting a the discount of some kind to stock and fulfill the rewards with those cards. Now, intangible rewards are almost anything. We've seen extra break, uh, time off that can be accumulated, added to a vacation is a good one. Uh, improve your shift bidding position by spending so many points. Get it out of a meeting-free card. Uh, we've seen everything out of the sun, including throughout the first pitch at the company picnic with the boss in the dunk tank. So <laughs> any, anything can be a reward, be it tangible or untangible. But one other comment I want to make on this about the rewards is that we also not only look at what they spend their money on, but we look at the time of year they spend it. And we see a huge, uh, in, a huge expenditure of, from the gift cards uh, around October, November, December. And that has big implications from the standpoint of retention, retention of employees because it means the employees are using these things as Christmas savings clubs. Uh, many of our younger listeners may not know what Christmas savings clubs were. They're pretty much long gone, but it allows you to put money in your, quote, bank, unquote, and then make sure that Christmas or birthdays or holidays or something like that are already paid for. Right. You know, Bob, just to speak to that, when you are talking about a tangible, and I know here we're talking a lot about gift cards and so forth, but another thing that I've seen and personally used myself is, let's say it's around the 4th of July and you need people to come in, work overtime or whatever. If you're giving away a gas grill or you're giving away bicycles or something of that nature, oftentimes making sure you already have them purchased and have them visible you know, throughout the contest seems to always increase that the the visibility it seems to increase their desire to get that. So I think that's another key point there. And giving options as well. You know, maybe it's not just one thing. There's two or three things that they can choose from. I know it's always been a real positive as well. Well, Dee, that, that takes me back to a comment that when I was a, ch- a child, Mom said I could go out to play after I cleaned my room. And whether it's seeing that, uh, that gas grill in the lobby and I can take it home with me or whether going out to, to play basketball, as soon as I've accomplished my objective, why can't I have my reward now? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Good information, okay. Bob. Yeah, these are really great insights. And as I say, I think both for managing and for parenting. But uh, no, the, uh, the detail, the level of detail that you've given us is extremely good. And uh, we really appreciate uh, these insights that come from, I know, years and years of experience. Uh, and I know that... Uh, there are some of our listeners that are interested in asking you questions as well. Brian has some questions for you, correct, Brian? 
I sure do. Yep, I just got an email from Joan. Uh, thanks, Bruce. And uh, Joan was asking, as you've kind of talked about before, uh, about the rewards for individuals, but her question is, well, what do you suggest about team rewards? Boy, uh, team rewards are something you have to touch or, or handle with care. Team rewards, uh, Joan, are a two-edged sword. The good news about team rewards is that they help new employees to bond and to get to know each other. It's a great activity. The bad news, and I'm going to take you back to your days in school, and remember the assignments you had when, when you were working on a team for a class project and you had to turn it in and you all got the same grade, and you said, boy, one of my partners is not pulling his or her weight, and that's what's called social loafing. And if you get stuck with one of those persons and you're a real go-getter, you are discouraged. It's not a good thing to do so. So you want to be really careful of team rewards, and if you have them, make sure it's a small percentage of the total rewards for which I qualify. Because if I've got somebody who's not pulling their own weight and I'm, you know, I'm one of the superstar agents, I don't, you know, I'm not too happy about that. And that can lead to some serious problems within the organization. It's good. Make them, use them, change the, uh, the team makeup occasionally or, or frequently, if you will, but don't make it too big a percentage of the overall potential that I have for any incentives. Mm-hmm. Could I just uh, add on to that, Bob, because there's some situations, too, where you have teams that are all located together, and they kind of have to look in each other's faces every day. And then there's some t- situations where you have two separate centers that take essentially the same kind of calls, and uh, but they, they know each other's out there, they see each other's numbers, that sort of thing. Uh, is there a, a difference in uh, when you have a separate location, or is it pretty much the same? It, it's pretty much the same, and again, you suffer from the same risk factor in that if it's a large percentage of the total remuneration for which you qualify, you can run into problems if you've got some really great people and they are dragged down by others in the organization. So it can lead to resentment, uh, but it's mm-hmm. great for integrating new folks into the teams as quickly as possible, making sure you know people stick around because they, they gr- develop some relationships. Maybe their children go to the same school, they like the same television program, so you want to reward along the way for things like carpooling or going to lunch with someone, not the boss, but going to lunch with other employees with whom you share and, and find things in common to give you a reason to come back to work when you're new in the job and it's discouraging, but you want to see a friendly face and talk with someone about things which you share in common. Okay. Do we have a, a, more questions as well, Brian? Yeah, we've got I've got one other question on email, but also um, we had one of our colleagues, Amy Novak, has called in is listening in on the show, and she wanted to ask you a question. So, uh, Amy, you're live. Thank you, Brian. Um, hi, Bob. You were discussing about keeping um, or providing the representatives different gamifications, maybe daily or weekly, and I was wondering how you could keep things fresh and creative, knowing that it may be very time-consuming to do that on a weekly basis for some managers. Well, it can be time-consuming, and I don't mean to turn this into a commercial, but there are a lot of ways that you can do this uh, without having to exert a lot of care and feeding, if you will. Uh, let me give you a very brief example of ways that you could, for example, keep things fresh uh, in playing different kinds of games. I've seen people take, you may be familiar with a game called Toss-Across, or any of the, or, or use a putter to, to uh, try to play a little putting game. Uh, I've also seen people take a grocery bag full of dollar bills, and what they will do is they'll take a $50 bill, two 20s, 
uh, four tens, eight, eight uh, five dollar bills, and a hundred and some odd one dollar bills. They crumple them all up, put them in a big bag, stir them up, and then if someone receives an award for something or their good attendance, they can reach in the bag and pull out a bill. It may be a one, it may be a five, it may be a twenty. But all kinds of games do the same thing with a fishbowl. If you had a fishbowl, you can take different kinds of poker chips. Green ones are worth a nickel, red ones are worth a dime, blue ones are worth 50 cents, as an example. And for doing certain things, you can pull out two chips or five chips or ten chips. A lot of little things you can do to encourage and to participate with this thing called random reinforcement. And if you control the ratio of dollar bills or control the ratio of colors of chips, you can know exactly what the average draw is going to be worth to keep your budget under control. Well, I certainly appreciate that. That's very informative, Bob. I know after coming from, you know, the call center world, it was very challenging sometimes to find games and be fresh and creative to have everybody's interest to want to partake in those. So that was very helpful. Good. And, and as long as we don't have toss across being uh, toss the boss across, then uh, I think we're okay. <laughs> well, we've, we've seen the and, – and I will, I will give credit to a place in Atlanta – where I saw the grocery bag full of money. In fact, I wrote an article about it, uh, and it was called Bob's Bucks or something like that. And he walked around with his grocery bag, and as people did different things, they were entitled to reach in and grab the bills. Now, he did the math, and I'll explain it to you. He had 150 in the bag, uh, 220s, 410s, 8.5s, and 167 singles. The average draw, Bruce, was $2. There are no $2 bills mm. in there, but the average is 2 and after each draw, they would replace it with the same denomination, so they kept things under control. But again, if $2 is too much for you, uh, with the poker chips, you can make it any number you want based upon the ratio of chips that you have um, and control your budget, but still have fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, as long as nobody uh, in at Benchmark Portal thinks there's going to be a Bruce's Bucks tomorrow, then we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. It could happen eventually. No, great, uh, great, great uh, experience there. All right, good. Uh, Brian, uh, we're pretty much at the end of our half hour, but if we've got one more question, I mean, I think uh, we're on a roll, so I'd like to get it. Okay, yeah, and this is, you've kind of explained it, I think, but um, Carrie just uh, wrote me and said, uh, how can you play games or use random intermittent reinforcement if you're a small uh, center or not online? Well, the, the article that I wrote pretty much covers it in talking about the uh, fishbowl of, uh, of poker chips or the bag full of money, any of that type of thing. I've seen people use decks of cards that uh, where you draw a card, maybe two cards on Monday and two cards on Friday, to come up with a poker hand, and your team or you as an individual win, because if you're there on time on Monday, then you get two cards, and on Tuesday you draw one, Wednesday you draw one, Thursday you draw one, Friday you draw two, again, predicated upon call quality, and the best poker hand. Now, everybody knows who's played poker, and you're going to make a hand of five cards out of that group of seven or whatever the number comes out to be. Hope springs eternal, and on that last day I could still draw a full house or four of a kind or anything like that, given enough people and enough decks of cards, anything like that, again, no budget for online, small environment, but you can keep people excited and showing up for the day or doing the things you want them to do any number of ways. Okay. Good. Well, we really are sort of at the end of our uh, our time period here, but this has been fascinating, really uh, packed full of information. And, and Bob, uh, I know that uh, people who might have more uh, questions or thoughts for you 
can uh, find you, your website, your blog. Uh, do you want to just give us a couple of uh, indications there where people might be able to find you? Sure. SNOFI website and blogger, as the name implies, S-N-O-W-F-O-I. I also have quite a bit of material in, on the Snowfly website and blog. If you go to the resources tab, you'll see lots of white papers, articles, research papers, a lot of good background material. Um, those type of things are there free for the asking. Uh, my own okay. personal LinkedIn profile, which is under Robert Cowan, spelled C-O-W-E-N, has links to a lot of articles that I've written. Uh, if anybody in the audience today will be at Interactions in June in Indianapolis, the Interactive Intelligence Conference, I'll be speaking there on Tuesday, the 3rd of June at uh, 2.45. Uh, also, I've got articles coming up in the July issue of uh, Connections Magazine. It's, called, mm -hmm. it's entitled Games or Gamification. Uh, and we at Snowfly are always available to speak at user conferences and user groups, if you will, at any time. Okay. Well, listen, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And uh, thanks also to Dee for participating in this. And uh, with that, Brian, I think over to you to, to wrap things up. Sounds good. Yeah. Bob, uh, once again, we want to thank you for being on our show today. It was a real pleasure to have you. My pleasure. Yeah, and so also want to remind everyone that uh, all these shows are archived. So uh, if you're listening to one now, either live or archived, make sure you go back into our website and check out all the other topics that we offer here at calltalk.tv. I want to make sure you also join us next uh, month, June 18th, when we'll be talking about customer effort. You know, what does that mean? And how does it play into your contact center operations? We're going to explore that next Call Talk. Don't forget also to sign up for a free reality check benchmark report to see how your contact center compares with others in the industry. And as far as that is, you know, from all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep your headset steady and your fingers ready. And have a great day. Thanks for joining us. That's a wrap. Take care.